You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. And welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and this business talk show airs live on Tuesday and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at 3 p.m. All of our shows are heard exclusively here on Orange County's radio station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to the show as a podcast, we do encourage you to consider listening to the show live during our broadcast times. The show is brought to you by our commercial sponsors, Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, Smart Business Magazine, and Smart Stop Self-Storage. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, to make better and more informed business decisions. We do that by interviewing thought leaders and experts who have knowledge that they're freely willing to share with you, our listening audience. If you're listening to us live and you'd like to comment, there is a way to do that. Go to octalkradio.net's website, find the community chat room section, log in, post your thoughts, our engineer today, Paul Roberts, will bring them to my attention, and possibly I can work them into one of the two interviews that I have planned. If you're expecting to hear my interview with Janet Boydell, owner of A Higher Connections, well, then just stay tuned because she'll be on a little bit later in the show. Our first guest is Mark Kwan, who is an author of a soon-to-be-released book, Rich Man, Poor Bank. And I've asked Mark to join the show to share his views on the correct financial principles and explain some of the keys to financial independence. Mark will also discuss some of the top banking scams our audience should be aware of and why he believes credit unions are so important. Mark, welcome to the program. Hey, thank Rick. thanks, Rick, for having me. Uh, it's, it's great to be on the show today, uh, kind of between battling traffic down here today and uh, just getting over some allergies. Um, I'm glad I was able to make it in. Yeah, we appreciate you coming down, especially on a day like it is outside today. I know it can be a challenge. Let's start by having you share a little bit about the content of your soon-to-be-released book titled Rich Man, Poor Bank. Let's start by me asking you, what does the title mean? Okay, um, I really wanted a book to teach financial fundamentals, and I didn't really find it on the marketplace. I read a lot of financial books, and uh, there was never something that told you, here's step by step by step what you could do uh, to uh, build a, fin- a strong financial foundation. And, I, and um, uh, I grew up in Canada in a lower middle income family. We, we never learned about finances. My dad was a bricklayer, so I grew up mixing concrete for a living, and we always struggled financially. Um, I even went to college, and I never really learned financial fundamentals in college. I, mem- I, remember, I remember college for me was about lining up for student loans and then lining up for credit card applications. Mm-hmm. That was really it, and I buried in debt there. And um, I just asked, why is it that all, all the financial education I've ever be- learned about in my life led me back into debt? Like, why is it that everything <laughs> I've ever learned was constantly going to bury me back into debt? And um, so I started studying financial finances about 15 years ago, uh, very actively investing myself. I even bought a coffee shop just to learn you know, entrepreneurship and, and ownership of a company and investing. And I, I learned how to trade stock options and all kinds of crazy things and, and just reading a lot of books. I really asked, uh, I'll have a question for you, Rick, and, and I would ask you this. Um, if a person doesn't understand finances their entire life, let's say they have no financial education, how much money is the bank going to take from them, Rick? I have no idea. Really? Maybe everything, right? I mean, oh. you know, if you, okay. do, if you don't have any understand anything, there's a lot of systems in place that um, are going to get you into debt, just like they did my family. Okay. And um, now if somebody has a high financial education and their entire life, how much money are they gonna, really going to give to the bank? Again, I have no idea. Very little, probably, right? Okay. Because if you understand finances, 
Um, you're probably not going to pay high interest credit card debts and that sort of thing. So really, I found that there's a there's a there's a lot of money made keeping the population uneducated on the subject of money. And I wanted a book to teach them that. Uh, it's called Rich Man Poor Bank because it, as, as soon as your financial education increases, the banks get poorer. If people are un, unfinancial, not financially educated, uh, the banks make a lot of money. As soon as people increase their financial education, the banks like, make less money. How do they make this money? Put people into credit card debt. I mean, if you have a credit card debt, that debt doubles every three years at 24%. Um, yet your savings, if you make 0.1 at a big bank uh, account, it doubles every 700 years. So if you're doubling your debt every three years, right. yet you're doubling your savings account every 700 years, uh, where are you going to end up financially? All right. So I think I understand this question, uh, the answer to this question, based on your first answer. But I want to, I want to kind of let you share with our audience Writing a book takes discipline and focus, and there's a lot of other things you could be doing with that time. What was the inspiration for you to make the commitment to write this book? I was thinking of writing a book at the time, and um, I've never really thought, like, I didn't know that I could write a book, but I just literally sat down one day and started pecking away on my computer, one finger typing. Um, I, I read, and I started reading books because I, I was told you need to read, write, and think to write a book. So I started doing that every day, and I read a book called The Easy Way to Stop Smoking by a guy named Alan Carr. And uh, it was interesting. As I was reading that book, I, I, I saw the system that the big tobacco companies use to take children and lock them into you know, becoming a smoker for life, becoming a smoker. And, um, and then I, I just found all these um, common things that the big banks use to take people and lock them into debt for life. And just as a just as somebody, if they become a smoker when they're a teen and they're a smoker for life, that's an incredible amount of profit to that big tobacco company. Um, if you take a ch college student and you lock them into debt and using credit cards, that's an incredible amount of profit to that to the bank for the rest of their life. So they sort of use the same tactics to get you hooked on tobacco as they do to get you hooked on um, on credit cards. You seem to be suggesting that if this is a universal truth within the banking industry, that they are using techniques to make you poorer. Can you share with us some of, from your experience and what you write about in the book, what are some examples or maybe even top banking scams our audience should be aware of? Um, I would say the biggest one is just when we're taught to save money and get good credit. I mean, it's um, if you look at the national average for credit card debt, it's $16,000 per household of those that carry credit card debt at 16%. Um, yet the same people that have those that money in credit card debt, many of them have enough money in CDs and savings accounts to pay off that entire debt. And yeah, they have been told to save money, so they start saving money in those CDs and savings accounts. At the time, at the same time, they're told to go get good credit. They walk into a bank. The bank says, "Get three three credit cards and an auto loan." And those same people literally carry sixteen thousand dollars of household credit card debt when they have the cash in the bank to to pay it off. And like I said, the debt doubles every you know every three, four, five years, and uh, they're not paying any, any interest on their savings. So. Isn't it comforting though to have some money in the in savings somewhere? I mean, isn't it uh, a better application to have a little bit of savings and a little bit of debt than to have less savings and no debt? I, I would agree with you 100%. I actually save and invest a lot of money myself. I just don't save it in any of the biggest banks. I see. Because I just don't support the uh, banking system. Um, 
I, 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 there's just a lot of advantages in using a credit union over a bank. Okay. So just finan- just financially, security, and things like that, there's just a lot of reasons why I just choose to support a credit union over a big bank. We're, you're listening to Talk uh, Critical Mass Radio on OC Talk Radio. Our first guest today is Mark Kwan, and we're talking about his book, Rich Man, Poor Bank, which will be forthcoming shortly. And uh, I wanted to get a better understanding. I was intrigued by the title of the book and some of the positions that you have on your website and your blog. And I'm going to ask you about your preference for credit unions after the commercial break. But we are going to take our first commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. When we return, I'm going to ask Mark, before we talk about the credit unions, Mark, I'm going to ask you to just share a little bit about your view as a financial wealth manager, financial advisor, on what are the keys to financial independence, knowing that our audience are CEOs and business owners of mid-market companies. So, ladies and gentlemen, go nowhere. Stay tuned to Critical Mass Radio Show, heard live on octalkradio.net. We'll be right back after these words from our commercial sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well... What happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. Got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the seat. With smart stop, I leave the stress at the door. This is the smart way to store. Smart stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart stop, the smarter way to store. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our first guest in the first segment is Mark Kwan. He is the author of the soon-to-be-released book, Rich Man, Poor Bank. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our radio show as a podcast, maybe off of Apple iTunes, Stitcher, or one of the other podcasting services that we use. You've downloaded over 13,000 episodes of our radio shows over the past 30 days, which is a record which is greater than the previous month, which was a record over the month before that, and you kind of get the trend. We here at the radio show really do appreciate your continued support. If you'd like to find our archives, you can also find them on our website, criticalmass4business.com. Go to the media section. You'll see the radio show archives. All the shows are there, and you can keyword search it. All right, as I said, Mark Kwan is my guest. Rich Man, Poor Bank is his forthcoming book. Before the break, Mark, I said I was going to ask you to share a little bit about the keys to financial independence. Could you take us through that for our audience, please? I would say the first thing is to really understand debt. Um, understanding the system of debt, when, when, when it's good to use debt, when it's not too good to use debt. 
Um, as you know, Robert Kiyosaki points is good debt and bad debt. Uh, we all kind of learned that when we're running our businesses and that when when it's a, when it's an advantage and when it's a disadvantage, I would say that's a huge and probably the biggest key to uh, financial independence is that. And then really understanding taxes. Um, if you understand how to use debt and you understand when it's a good time and that sort of thing, and then you understand taxes. And and the third one would just be keep learning. Uh, one thing I've always been open to in all the years I've been in finance is just keep learning. I'm always going to financial things, seminars and things and, and open to learning. And uh, as you say, peer-to-peer learning is a great way to learn because it's just you always. I always learn something. No matter how long you've been in this industry, no matter how long you've been in business, no matter how long you've been studying taxes, there's always things out out there that could improve your situation. So I'm always going to continue to keep learning. I'm 36 years old. I've got a lifetime of learning ahead of me. If you understand those two areas, it it, it really is a a strong fundo, uh, foundation uh, for financial independence. So on a personal side, you said in your answer that there is understanding the difference between good debt and bad debt. Can you give us an example from your perspective of good debt? I, I, I always teach, I guess that there's different areas of financial education for different incomes, and that's really the, the key. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're in a, a middle America uh, market, Okay, buying a home could be a could could be a good a great decision for somebody. That could be a great first step. But then if they finance uh, two cars at six hundred dollars a month and uh, and then and a new TV, that's obviously a very very bad example of bad debt. That's and then obviously as you're growing a company, it's just different examples of good debt and bad debt. Right. But it's just a very different. There's never very different financial advising for different incomes. So the first thing I need to know before I really give any advice or when I'm working with a client is where are you financially? What's your income? What's your assets? Because it's really very different advice for for people of different incomes and, and net worths. So it sounds like in your answer, you view, in many cases, home purchase as good debt? It, it can be. Uh, I would say if somebody's paying $2,000 a month in, in, in rent, and they can pay $2,500 a month in a mortgage and actually own right. something, that's a great example of, of much better debt. I mean, to, to have that uh, that house and have the tax deductions and the tax write-offs from the mortgage, uh, definitely an improvement. But for somebody to go from a thousand dollars a month in in rent to three thousand dollars a month for a mortgage, I'd say that would be exam- That could be example of bad debt. There's probably a lot of other things they could do with that two thousand dollar a month to right. really build build assets for the future. Interesting. And you know, uh, a large segment of our population of our listening population are here in the U.S. But this is an international show. We bring guests from Canada, Mexico. Our show beams around the world on Internet radio station, octalkradio.net. And it's fascinating to me that the rest of the world doesn't share our the U.S.'s interest in buying homes, that the amount of home ownership in the U.S. is much greater than in other um, in Europe and other uh, countries around the world. So uh, we've been trained here in this country that owning a home is something that is uh, desirable, and many people through the last financial crisis, demonstrated that maybe they got overly zealous in home ownership or the amount of home that they thought they could afford. Yeah, people definitely justify reasons to get into debt. So that, that would be the big one on buying a home. Oh, I get a big tax deduction or write-off. But they really don't know how what that tax deduction is or, or how it is versus renting. The other thing is the, the system is built, especially the, the get, go get an 800 credit score. That's a justification to accumulate a lot of debt. The fact is you can have a great credit score without ever paying interest on, on a credit card and without ever, ever, without ever paying interest to a bank your entire life. 
but those are the systems that are that are put into place to load you up with credit cards, keep your money doing nothing in the bank, and then get you into a mortgage. Because once you're in a 30-year mortgage and two some credit cards and two auto loans, you're probably in debt for life. And then the kid comes along, you have to start saving for their college. And oh, yes. Yeah, you're on yeah. the treadmill, aren't you? Yeah, it really sticks you in that hamster wheel, and people think that running faster is going to do it. Yet sometimes they make it worse because they just don't have the financial foundation or the understanding of finances to make it better. Right. We we said earlier in the show that, and you you answered the question with a, there's a difference in the financial industry between the major banks and credit unions. And so I'm wondering, and I know you write about that on your blog, I, I was looking at it earlier this week, I wonder if you can share with our audience what you've written about credit unions and what challenges face credit unions in this economy. I, I will, I'll tell you, I really learned about credit unions, and I had a very personal experience in that I had a uh, a credit card from a big bank, and I needed a, a loan one day. It was like a cash advance for like 50 bucks. This was a, quite a long time ago before I was really understand credit unions. And I took a cash advance, and they charged me like $5 or something, a fee, plus 30% interest rate or something like that. So, <laughs> I mean, if you calculated the interest rate, it was like in the thousands of percentages for the period of time that I borrowed it. And then when I went to a, I eventually learned about credit unions, and today I can take a cash advance from my credit union with no fees. It's at 10%. Literally take cash from a credit card, 10%, no fees or anything like that. So that's when I really started studying the difference between banks and credit unions. And a credit union is actually a not-for-profit co-op. So they're, they're not there to make profit off of you. All the profits actually stay within your local community. So it's better for you and it's better better for your community to be doing business there. They generally have lower rates when borrowing money. So if you're going to borrow money for a car loan or a credit card or even a mortgage in some cases, um, you're going to get better lower rates at the credit union. Uh, higher rates and saving. I actually earn two percent rate of rate of return on my checking account at the credit union when Americans are earning point zero one on their CDs that are locked up in a in a two year CD. So there's a lot of uh, uh, ways to earn a much higher rate of return on your money. They have less fees in general. I don't pay monthly fees like a five dollar monthly fee like most Americans do. Um, they have better insurance than the FDIC. Uh, the FDIC was was uh, in a lot of trouble in 2008. They needed billions of dollars of bailout money. And the FDIC is not there to really protect your money. It's really there to protect the banks and keep them solvent so the and people who invest in the banks can stay solvent. Credit unions are fully backed by the United States government, by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. Uh, there's a national credit union share insurance fund that fully backs the banks and because or backs the credit unions. Sorry, and because credit unions are so much smaller, even if one credit union goes out of business because they're so much smaller, um, you're not going to have a massive default, and you're not going to need government bailouts um, to save that. And last but not least, they're also uh, linked together by a thing called the co-op network. And uh, you know, I'm part of a credit union. I, I can get, I can go, at, I can get access my money at any 7-Eleven, any credit union, any Walgreens, or any Costco in the United States and Canada without ever paying fees on my money. So I have 30,000 ATMs I can go to to access my money. When all the other people going to banks, they pay two dollar fifty two dollar and fifty cent fees here and there. Um, so there's more credit unions, better insurance. There's not a lot of reasons why your typical middle America person wouldn't leave the big banks and go to a credit unions if it's better for them and it's better for their community and not switch. You just asked the question I was going to ask you. Given your knowledge, what you just talked about is the benefits of a credit union, why do you think that scales haven't tips more dramatically in their favor? They they actually are a little bit, and um, the banks are 
really don't like what's going on within the, within the country right now is that a lot of people are realizing that a credit union can actually service them better than a big bank. And a lot of people are leaving and the credit unions are growing. And because of that, big banking has actually been working with in, in Washington right now with the lobbyists to try and tax the credit unions as banks. They say the United States needs more income, so they need to tax credit unions. Yet it's it's almost no income comparatively to that um, so they're actually trying to put credit unions out of business, and there's nine, there's almost a hundred million Americans that are members of credit unions currently, and if the big banks are, banks are successful in in uh, in Washington putting this bill across, we could literally potentially lose a lot, if not all, of the credit unions if this bill passes. So the credit unions are under attack because uh, people are are realizing that um, they can get the better services at a at a credit union rather than a big bank. Final question: We got three minutes left. Are there restrictions around joining a credit union? Uh, there used to be, but uh, these days, almost any, pretty much anybody in any area can join a credit union. A lot of times, you just have to live in that local neighborhood, okay. go to school, work, go to church, or anything in that neighborhood. Some credit unions just require you donate to five dollars to a, a nonprofit. So you could donate five bucks to charity in that neighborhood, join the credit union. A lot of credit unions that used to be um, literally for a union or a company right. are re- rebranding themselves and renaming themselves so people know that they can go down to that credit union and join and uh, they get all the benefits of, of being a credit union member and they're technically an owner and a member of that credit union so any profits within that credit union go back to them either better services more atms uh, better employees or best better rates on saving or lower rates on borrowing so if someone would like to buy your book and read it because of the conversation that we had today how do they learn more about you, find out about your book, which is Rich Man, Poor Bank? Where online can they find you and your your book? Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, richmanpoorbank.com. You can go to the website. And uh, unfortunately, the book is not completed quite yet. I'm looking at maybe two to three more weeks tops before the book is out. And I'll obviously be, be keeping in touch with people. Um, you can email me, markjquan at gmail.com, and just my name at gmail.com, any questions. So it's it's a lot of easy ways to get in touch with me. And um, I, other than that, I mentioned to Rick that I, I love to talk to college students. I'd love right. to do that and really talk to college students and teach them those fundamentals. And, again, I, it was a, this wasn't a book really wrote for, for profit. It was a book to write to really make an impact and really teach people the, a better path toward uh financial independence. Well, Mark, I appreciate your time and your perspective and sharing it here. A little bit of what you know about uh, the industries that we talked about. Continued success in your profession and good luck with the launching of your first book. I'm sure it feels like you have other books to write. We'll have to have you back when they come out as well. But thank you, Mark Kwan, for being a part of Critical Mass Radio Show, a friend of the show and a part of the community. Well, thank you so much, Rick, and I'd love to come back in the future when the book's out. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a Second commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Janet Boydell of A Higher Connection is our second guest. We're going to be talking about a variety of things with her. One of them is her Fast Forward Resume Program. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. 
My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank relationship officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch, too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest.